Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Hope things are going well. We're getting ready to leave tomorrow and head out into Minnesota and Iowa for a family camp and some things like that. But I wanted to remind you to keep praying for us. We, we need your prayers for safety, for blessing, for direction on the road. Also wanted to remind those that watch these videos on Rumble, please like and follow. If you'll just take a second to do that right now, it helps these videos get out to a lot more people. Today, we're going to be interviewing Scott Brown. He's been on here before, and we're going to be talking about his upcoming conference. It's called Build, Dwell, Plant, and it's going to be in St. Louis, October 26th through the 28th, and I'm going to be one of the speakers there talking about the Marxist influence on our families and what they've done to abolish the family and destroy just the traditions of the way we have done things here in America, how things have changed so dramatically. We're going to talk about the conference a little bit today at the beginning and then get into some of the content of that. But it might be something you want to go to. I'm going to play a one-minute video here of Scott Brown talking about the conference, but I think you'll be inspired and encouraged and motivated of even when you know the Jews were in persecution they were under bondage Jeremiah told them no go, go build homes dwell there have families plant vineyards and God will bless you and he did it's going to be an encouraging conference of things you can do right where you are to strengthen what remains and I think you'll really enjoy that. But here's a one-minute video of him talking about it, and then we'll go right into the interview. But thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope you can join us at our Build, Dwell, Plant conference in St. Louis, Missouri. This conference is about cultivating family life, and it's based on Jeremiah 29, where Jeremiah gives the captives really good counsel about what to do under this tyrannical government. He says, don't go to war against this government. Build houses plant gardens, get married, get your children married, and, and be a blessing in that land. What families need to learn how to do is to do the things that you do in a garden. You plant seeds, you water, you cultivate, you fertilize, you break up the fallow ground, you take out the rocks, you chase off the predators and the birds and things like that. That's what this conference is all about. We're here to tell you how the church and the family work together for the cultivation of a family for the glory of God. The most important thing you can engage your family in is the reformation of the church and the family by the word of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope you can join with us in St. Louis in October. Hope to see you there at Build, Dwell, Plant. Scott Brown, thank you so much for joining me today. Curtis, thank you. I can't wait to talk about all this stuff. I can't either. I, I appreciate when you came on in the spring and talked about your conference, The Chief End of Man. And I bumped into at least five families that came to that conference that were from the Agenda Weekly family, which was a blessing. Those of you that were there, it was so fun to talk to you and to see that you were blessed by being there that it was something well worth the drive i remember one family drove from montana 
And uh, I wasn't expecting that. Oh. I was mainly wanting people to know about it so maybe they could live stream it to learn things. But Scott Brown is someone that has been studying the Bible to learn how God intended things to be. What was his perfect plan for the family and the church? That's his primary focus. And as I've listened to him over the years, for I think about 15 years now, I've learned so much and my eyes have been so open to better understanding, oh, well, this is the proper role of the family. This is the proper role of the church. A lot of you don't realize it, but we have lost so much over the last hundred plus years in our country of the way the church had always operated and the way the family had always operated. It, it's something that we're awakening to because we see the ways we've done things the last 60, 70 years have not worked. <laughs> and, and that's what has awakened many of you that are watching this. That's what awakened me. I started to realize, wait a minute, I don't care who's in office, Reagan or whoever else, we're going the wrong direction. And it's been happening my entire life. That's where the agenda movies came from because I realized something's going on because we never have a victory. It always is progressively moving in the wrong direction. Well, Mr. Brown has a new conference coming up at the end of October, October 26th through the 28th in the St. Louis area. So very central if you're wanting to come to that. And the title of it is Build, Dwell, Plant. And Scott, talk about that for a minute, just the Bible verse that goes with it and what that is all about. Yeah, Build, Dwell, Plant. This It really comes out of the context of Jeremiah 29, where the captives have been taken out of Jerusalem into Babylon. They're, they're enslaved, they're in captivity. And Jeremiah talks to them and says, here's what you should do. And he says, look, don't, don't rebel against this government. Build houses, uh, dwell in the land, plant gardens, get married, get your children married, be a blessing. You know? And he actually gives them a formula for how to live in captivity. I think it's a really helpful text for us in the times that we live in. And so that's what this whole conference is about. It, it really is about how you function in your church and in your family during times like this and 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 i've got you you're going to come and give a message at this conference curtis i mean you know we're trying to establish the biblical doctrine of the family and the functionality of the family the beauty of the family and you're gonna you're gonna come and talk about how really the marxist vision for the family has overwhelmed the consciousness and actually the practices of the family you know uh, running through the 20th century and, and here you're going to describe all that. I can't wait to hear that message, but we've got lots of guys coming to, to, to preach about the doctrine of the family and the church and how, how the church and the family are complementary institutions. They're powerful institutions. They're sanctifying, they're beautifying institutions. So we, Hey, we really want to inspire people about just the, the perfection of God and his plan to create the church and the family and and how that's really what we should do during this time of captivity. That's right. No, I I uh, was inspired when I just read your little email that came out about it in the little video you, that you made. And because it's it's in the midst of all that's going on, all the things I talk about on Agenda Weekly, people have gone through this before in history. People have been enslaved. People have been under tyrannical governments. 
and they survived. They did make it through. And most of the time, those governments eventually just crumbled, as they always do. And so what's some of the other issues and things that'll be covered? I just want to whet their appetite for it because I know it'll be something, if you're able to come or live stream, you're going to learn so much about things you can do right where you are with what God has given you to, to build it, to, to grow it, to, to make it more prosperous, more just productive in doing the things God intended it to do. But tell, tell about some of the other speakers, maybe topics that are going to be covered. Yeah, well, first of all, we want this to be a really practical, nuts and bolts, street level kind of a conference. And we, we want to talk about what it looks like for God's people to be a holy people who don't walk in the ways of the Gentiles, who don't learn the ways of the Gentiles, and uh, and, and, and how you cultivate a garden, a, a garden of renown. How do, how do you plant seeds, cultivate the seeds? How do you water them? How do you fertilize them, the seeds of your family and your church? And so we're going to try to build all that out. I mean, I mean, we want to talk about fatherhood, motherhood, manhood, womanhood. We want to talk about raising children. We want to talk about life in the church. We want to talk about uh, taking dominion. We want to talk about a family economy. Uh, we want to talk about marriage. We want to talk about pronouns. We want to talk about everything that really has to do with family life in the, in the 21st century. And uh, Kevin Swanson is going to come and preach with us. Uh, so is Jason Dome. Uh, my partner in crime here at Church and Family Life, and um, uh, Carlton McLeod, uh, who's just an incredibly inspiring preacher, pastor, friend, one of the most courageous men I've ever known. Anyway, we've just got some really neat guys coming, and, and you're going to come, Curtis, and uh, it just should be a, a, really, a really neat time. Hey, one of the things about this time that's really compelling for me is that 21 years ago we actually launched the, the what was then what, what what is now church and family life was the national center for family integrated churches we launched the ncfic uh, in 2002 in this same room in the same convention center hall that we're going to go back to here in october oh. 2023 so it'll be really neat to go back there and and just uh well here's the deal it's been 21 years and what can happen in your family in the next 20 years i really want to talk about that i want to talk about what it's what it, what it could be like to to batten down the hatches and do the will of god for the next 20 years in your family because i i've seen so much blessing flow in so many families and uh and so have you have have you we've seen god really bless families by getting a hold of the principle that scripture is sufficient for church life and scripture is sufficient for family life that's the whole purpose of church of our organization church and family life we're here to proclaim the sufficiency of scripture for church and family life we're here to just call one another, encourage one another to go back uh, to the old paths, the, the, the paths that are good, the paths that are actually safe, the paths of victory 
and it has to do with church and family life. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to do about the government except to vote and encourage people to to be godly candidates. But but here's what I do know for sure: everybody has a family, and everybody can be part of a church. These are the two greatest solutions for the problems that our nation is facing. So coming back to biblical order in the church, biblical order in the family, I think that's the most important thing in the world. And God created these two institutions, the church and the family. They are the most powerful institutions when they operate according to God's design. Uh, A church that is biblically ordered, a family that is biblically ordered is a powerhouse. But God created those institutions uh, to instruct, uh, to disciple, to raise up a new generation. And so that's what we're going to focus on at this conference. I'll stop talking now. <laughs> I'm sorry I took so no, no. long with that, but I'm pretty excited about this conference. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's, I was just watching some videos this morning on brainwashing and, and how effective the Marxists have been at doing that. And those of you listening all of us have been affected by the propaganda campaign of our lives. We, we just have. It's impossible when you're drenched in it not to have had some of it influence you in some way to maybe minimize your stand against evil or cut down your courage level to stand or whatever it is. But as I have studied and followed and read a lot of, of Scott Brown's books and listened to many of his lectures and things and, ta- and sermons, that's what you realize that we've all been taught things that are untrue about the family, things that are untrue about what the church is supposed to be like, things that are untrue about what a government is supposed to be like. But in every area of our life, it's been tainted because there was people that had an agenda and they wanted to taint it. They wanted to turn it away from the Bible being the absolute authority in everything to them being the absolute authority in everything. And so um, this conference and these materials, they'll be so refreshing to you when you hear men speak the truth with a smile on their face, and it'll be stuff that's so contradictory what the world's telling us, but it's true. And your spirit will know this is true, this is right. I remember the first time you, when you started the NCFIC, I didn't realize it was 21 years ago, I was younger and still trying to figure out family and stuff. We had a couple of little kids and and just hearing some of those talks changed the direction of my life because I realized, oh, I didn't know there was a different way of doing things. I was just doing what everybody seemed to do, but I had noticed what everybody seems to be doing is not working. I had noticed that and I saw my precious little kids and I go, I want it to work for them. <laughs> I want to make sure whatever right. I'm doing is working the best possible. And we always right. need God's blessing. We cannot do it on our own. But when we o- obey what he's asked us to do, I've seen over my life, he's so gracious to, to bless and to be merciful and to help us even in the midst of our mistakes and <laughs> troubles and, and things. That's, I guess, what you're going to have me talk about a little bit is the the onslaught of propaganda brainwashing in Marxist philosophy that for 170 years since the Communist Manifesto was written has sought to poison people's mind 
to make them think man is the answer instead of God. And man has a better way of doing things than God does. Right. And that's why I really want you to come to this conference and speak, because what's what's happened to us in America is that the Marxist vision of the family has overtaken our consciousness and our practices. And so I, I want to ask you some questions about that. You know, what's the general Marxist perspective on the family? I want to ask you several detailed questions, but just can you give us sort of an overview of the Marxist vision? Sure. And, and before I say that, I want to say something about Karl Marx. Whenever you're studying any philosophy or anything like the Bible, if you want to know about the Bible, you study Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the founder of this thing, and you want to know who is that person. Well, everyone that's following Marxism today and Marxist philosophy, they're really following Karl Marx, the teaching of this man. Who was that man? A lot of people don't know, but he's a man, and this shows what he thinks about the family, that had six children, okay? And three of those starved to death in infancy. That's how well he took care of them. Three of the oh six. My. Two of them that grew up to adulthood committed suicide and only one survived. Oh and my. he thought all wives should be in common and proof that he believed that is when his own wife died, he did not attend her funeral. That, that's this pathetic being that is Karl Marx that is poisoned every culture in the world with his evil satanic philosophies. And it's interesting to note too, a lot of people go, well, is he still really influential? He is the most influential. The BBC in 1999, they had a survey to ask this question, who has been the most influential person of the last thousand years, not hundred, thousand? And Karl Marx was the one who won. They, people felt he's had more influence on this world than anyone in a thousand years. So what, what was their view of the family? It is to be abolished. Wives are to be held in common where you can share wives, you can share things. And the reason they wanted that, of course, is one for the just the lustfulness of man. But they wanted the children away from the parents. So they would raise the children. They would be the, in the parental ro roles over those children. Because I knew if you got the children, you got you have everything. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the children, you have absolutely nothing. But as I've studied this over the years, what's so interesting is Karl Marx in his ignorance, he thought that capitalism is, is, is what had created the family. He thought that, oh, capitalists, what they did is they wanted to create the family, a monogamous family, so they could pass down their wealth to their children and keep growing it to have more power and control over the less fortunate. I mean, he's so ignorant <laughs> of history. He thought literally wow. that it, that's what started the family. He said, no, tribes and peoples in the past, they just shared women. There, there was no monogamy. There was no, which is ignorance, of course, since Adam and Eve, it was one man, one woman, and, and then uh, the family that God would bless with children. But so, yeah, it, as you see that, that's why they wanted to tear. So that's another reason why they wanted to abolish it. So they could, could not only be immoral, all they wanted, mm -hmm. but so that all people's wealth they acquired during their life would go to the state when they died. Because there's no, cho the, the, the children are not attached to a parent. And of course, we 
heard Hillary Clinton and many others over the last 10, 20 years talk about the children belong to the state. The parents do not own them. And that's just Marxist philosophy <laughs> that's penetrated our culture. You know, why, why do you think Marx wanted to abolish the family? I think because he was satanically motivated to destroy um, God's institution. I 100% believe that if you read the books, Marx and Satan by Richard Wormbrandt, you see he wasn't an atheist. He above all people, like every atheist, they know there is a God. They hate the fact there's a God. They want to be him and have his power. And so I believe Satan influenced him. And I believe he is one of the ones that knowingly knows he was influenced by Satan. Other people are thinking they're doing their own thing, but he is the one pulling their strings. But I think he knew he must abolish that. And he knew that if you could do that, you're going to create the chaos and destruction of a culture. And you are going to be able to raise the children if there's no families. And then you can teach them whatever you want them to know. So you can change society very quickly if you're able to pull that off. So, you know, in his desire to abolish the family, uh, you know, we see various manifestations of that. Uh, there are different ways that the federal government uh, works to weaken families through tax laws, uh, through inheritance uh, laws and things like that. Can you just talk about that a little bit? What are some of the modern manifestations of Marx's uh, desire to abolish a family that maybe aren't in people's minds because they're just so normal in our tax codes, in our law systems, in our culture, in our entertainment systems? What are sort of the outward 21st century manifestations of his desire? Well, I, I think one of the most obvious, and I live in Alabama where we have a large black community, but you see the fruit of their lives right here because Lyndon Johnson's great society programs um, were put in place in such a way it would destroy their families. And he was warned that it would do that by Senator Moynihan before they were passed. And he said, I could care less. They'll be voting Democrat for 200 years. So it's a purposeful destruction of the family. The reason a lot of people go, why would anybody want to wreck the family? But those in power always want to wreck the family because if the family is crumbling, people need help. <laughs> you know, if you don't have a mother and father in the home, a mother can only work so long and still raise a family. She's not gonna be able to do it. She needs help. And so they're creating a society of dependency. So that's one of the most obvious ways, this welfare system, the tax code that penalizes you if you're married, you know, and, and so that, that'd be another way. It's the way that Hollywood in, in the entertainment industry is so belittled the family. Every TV show or movie in the last 30 years or so makes the family out to be a joke. The, the dad's a joke. Um, and then right. to be unfaithful in marriage is a great blessing and just fun and it doesn't hurt anything. So they've been undermining it for so long in every way. And then, of course, convincing people to give their children over to the government educational system and now ever younger ages, three years old, four years old, where you're handing them over and convincing dads, oh, we, we've got it taken care of, go play golf, we're gonna raise them. And then the feminist movement of the 1960s that blossomed with Betty Friedan, who wrote Feminine Mystique, and she was a Marxist. 
she talked about the family as a comfortable concentration camp. And that book is so poisonous. When I read it years ago, I thought, you know what? I wouldn't even let my wife read it. It's, it's that poisonous of, of brainwashing and propaganda, the way she just webbed, she just spun her little web of lies trying to convince a woman, the family is just to enslave you. That's all it's about. And, and, and unfortunately, she convinced millions, tens of millions of w women to leave home, go find fulfillment and working for some man at some business. It was so crazy. But but that's uh, one of the philosophies that's mainstream today. Um, in fact, this is how mainstream it is. I just happened to find this today. I was looking up something else. This is from 2019 in Nation magazine. And a feminist writes this. She says, this is the title of the article. Want to dismantle capitalism? Abolish the family. And wow. this is some of the things she says. The act of carrying a child to term, she insists, is work, labor that has long been exploited and overlooked by the academy, and so is mothering. By thinking through the logic of commercial surrogacy arrangements, Lewis lays bare the ways motherhood has been weaponized as an ideological structure. So she's a Marxist. She's a communist, whether she knows it or not. She's bought into Marxist life. Oh, this is just to enslave people. This, this and, and to gather wealth to yourself. This is just a couple of years ago in Nation magazine. But that's what women are, are listening to. And they're hearing that. And so yeah, we need to do away with the family altogether. We're going to just hire women. You get paid to have children, and then there'll be children in society, but they won't have to have parents and everything. So yeah, this is, Scott, this is so prevalent. It's in everything around us, and it's subliminally there in the billboards, in the advertisements. It's everything. It's the freedom of doing your thing. Who would want to be enslaved? you know, in a marriage where you can't just do what you want to do. Who would want to be, you know, it's becoming popular not to have any children at all. The environmental movement is pushing this. Right. Well, you're destroying the planet. So it's there. It's being attacked in a thousand ways, uh, just subliminally and sometimes openly, but people are being influenced by it. And we see that very directly in the birth rates. In 1935 right. or 40, I believe it was, the average family in America had seven living children. So it did not count as ones that died in childbirth. Today, it's about 1.8, 1.9. So they've convinced people, no, nah, it's too big a hassle. You know, a bit ago, you mentioned education. How do you, how do you see the Marxist vision for education manifested in our current public education system? It's um, it, it's everything about it is Marxist, really. What they're being taught today economically, it's Marxism. It's things are not there's not equity in society. That's just that's a buzzword for communism. And when they talk about equity and when they talk about equality, that's a buzzword for socialism. Um, and so it's it's being just taught that the family is not important. You know, I think a lot of the Marxist and communists have realized 
the shortcomings of pushing atheism on people. They still do it, but they realize a lot of people like to believe in something, so they've sold them paganism, you know, earth worship and this environmental movement, so they feel like there's value and meaning in their life. But it's, if you look at the, the, the immorality, in fact, oh, this is so important. Here's an article in Hungary back in 1990, the communists were able to take over. A lot of people don't know this because it was very short-lived, but they had a, a Hungarian Soviet there just for a short time. But listen to this. I was reading this, studying the Frankfurt School, and they quickly realized that the way to completely change society, so this is 104 years ago in Hungary when the communists took it over for a short time. The best way to change society was to destroy the most important civil society institution, the family. Its culture commissioner, okay, the commissioner of it was George Lukacs, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He was one of the members of the Frankfurt School that came to America. And here's what he said. We have to institute a system to instruct young children into sexual perversions. This is 1919. Um, special lectures were organized in schools and literature printed and distributed to instruct children about free love, about the nature of sexual intercourse, and about the nature of the bourgeoisie family codes, and about the outdatedness of monogamy and the irrelevance of religion, and on and on it goes. The Marxists, that's Amazing. what they're doing in our schools today. And the reason they do that, one of the other Frankfurt School members said, is because if you can teach a child to be immoral, to teach them to get involved in perversions at a young age, the whole idea of God will disappear by itself. And he was genius to say that because it's true. When you're doing what's wrong, you don't want there to be a God because you're guilty, you're dirty, you're, you're like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And so he said, that's the best way to convince people there is no God, just get them involved in immorality. Don't argue with them. If you can do that, you will succeed. And that's exactly what our schools are doing today, brainwashing our children into an atheistic worldview that you can do whatever you want, whatever you want, there is no right and wrong. So that, that's at the fundamental level, as we see now, that's the focus of the government school system. And it's not surprising because the architects of the government school system were atheists, were Marxists. John Dewey, yep. yeah, at the top of the list, the most lauded, most influential educational revolutionary. And of course, he created this system of education that segmented children, that separated children from their parents. But I, I wrote a book a few years ago called A Weed in the Church. And when I was uh, sort of trying to, I was trying to write the history of how the church has become age segregated, how the church was fractured uh, to uh, not not be a generational community, but to be an age segregated community, because I was really concerned about that. But what I, but this goes right back to John Dewey, and the kind of schools that were created uh, were actually copied by the church because churches before John Dewey were one building where the whole where the whole family came together to worship but after after Dewey in the educational system uh, the churches started copying uh, the public education system and then creating lots of classrooms they called it the egg crate system back in the early days of John Dewey 
So now today you have churches that are just full of classrooms. The families don't come together to worship together. They're segmented. They families show up at church, they scatter, and then they come back and, and they're separated in instruction and worship. And, you know, that was a big concern back 21 years ago when we launched this conference, because we actually coined the term family integrated church back at that time and, and launched that whole proposition, uh, you know, in 2002 in St. Louis, Missouri, in the same building we're going to go back to. But the Marxist vision has overtaken even our churches. Yeah, no, because the the age age segregated peer grouping people, it, it's it's Marxism. He said you got to get rid of home education and work towards social education, where you're socializing the children to fit into this Marxist utopia. If you've created and John Dewey, then he's the one that implemented it because he believed that he was a member of the Social Society in America and, and on and on it goes. But that's why the one room schoolhouse had to go. The whole reason they don't want children hanging around different ages or with adults is because if they're in a classroom where there's different ages, it's impossible to propagandize the children. Because if you're saying something to twist the five year old mind, the 17 year old is going to say, that's not true. What are you what are you doing? And they'll be exposed. So John Dewey knew we got to get complete age segregated peer grouping so that we can customize the propaganda to influence and brainwash the child at every age group. We can go Oh, 12 year olds like this. So here's how we need to teach them a 13 year olds like this. But here's the big problem from a biblical point of view is if you are in that system, which 99% of everyone in America is in it, in everything they do, if you're in Little League, it's the same age. If you're in you know, the school, it's the same age. If you're in church, it's the same age. So that literally means like 11-year-old, his whole life is spent around an 11-year-old until right. he turns How 12. Is that? Yeah, so you're then, they're ignorant as with 11 year olds discipling 11 year olds exactly everyone doesn't <laughs> i know it's just it's crazy but that was purposeful that creates ignorance and it creates this this is a key thing as i studied marxism i realized oh this is so deadly what it does too is it cuts off the generations from each other because yeah. you're they don't even feel comfortable talking to someone that's not right. exactly their age even a person a year older like oh you're in a different class i can't talk to you i remember that's how i grew up my brother right. was one year older and his friends wouldn't talk to me because i'm not in their class and it was so sort of just complete division but it yeah. separates you from the wisdom is the problem with it he that walketh with wise men it shall be wise Amen. but the companion of fools will be destroyed that is right. what has happened and that is what Marxism is all about. Hey, do you remember during COVID when the school started uh, live streaming classes and parents were in the room? That's right. And they were freaking out That's because right. they didn't realize, they just didn't realize what their kids were being taught. And so you know, there were school board upheaval and yes. things like that. Uh, and that's exactly what was happening. Yes. Parents don't know what their children are being taught. Yeah. And so they're, they're being discipled. They're being, uh, you know, really propagandized, like you said. Yeah. And now with the transgender movement, you're not talking about just messing with their mind. Mm -hmm. You're mutilating their body. I mean, it is, mm -hmm. it, we're at the final level, people, where you, 
that's how much this has gained ground, that that could be believed by any Democrat, any Republican, any teacher, anywhere in the world shows how far this little small incremental steps over 120 years has gone. It is, it is the point you're destroying your own children. We've been destroying them mentally for a long time and have allowed that to happen. But now we're going to physically destroy them. We've been aborting them for decades. Uh, but, but it's another level when you have a 13 or 14-year-old child that's there and you're going to permanently mutilate them because they've been so brainwashed, they believe something that is not true and they think they're going to get attention from it which they probably are in desperate need of. They're probably, they're gonna get just to be affirmed in something because the family's so broken down, they're not getting that from their mom and dad like they should every day. And by the, the families, their families hang out with that are positive examples to them that are loving, kind, encouraging, and, and a good role model for them. That, that's not happening because the state took the children, said, we, we've got it all figured out, go have fun and we'll, let you know how it turns out and, and that's what has happened well i just uh i i think yeah we've we've got so many things going on but but your conference is part of the solution to the problem which i love because a lot of times we're so short on solutions because it seems overwhelming but but it, it it's not it never is when god's on your team and you're well you're on his team um but i just uh i'm so thankful for what you're doing and I'm just praying that um, you'll have a great turnout, that the people that come will be changed when they hear the truth. Um, tell us a few more things, if you didn't cover everything about that, that you'd like to cover, uh, because I just, um, I think it's so valuable. Yeah, we want to extol the beauty of God's design. Uh, we want to say, you can do this. You can replicate the beauty of the Lord in your family. And the, the, the thing is that God tells us how to do all this. We don't have to make it up. It's all in his word. And so I just, I just want to encourage people with what's there. You know, I love the language of this text of scripture that this whole conference is based on. I just want to read it to you because yes. I, I think it's comforting. It's, it makes it so clear that how simple it is to really display the beauty of the Lord. Here's what Jeremiah tells the captives. Hey, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Okay, he's a very bad guy. And uh, they're living in, in, in his realm. And Jeremiah says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it for in its peace you will have peace that's great it just that's the solution for us today because we're in that same predicament of we have a government that has just ignored all of its oaths to the Constitution things and is doing exactly what it wants to do. But that's what God wants us to separate out 
in our little communities, building healthy churches, healthy families, which then are such a light in that dark world mm -hmm. of everything we've just been talking about. When they see your kids, when they see your family, hey, well, what are y'all doing? They're, they're just attracted to it like a magnet, anyone that cares about the truth at all. And then you have a great opportunity to share the gospel and to tell them why you're different and why you do the things you do. It's because that's the way God told us to do it. I didn't invent anything on my own. It's all his ways and they work. And, and that's what we lost the, the, about a hundred years ago, things started coming off the rails and slowly things were just changing and changing and changing. And we had such a nice life in America because God is so blessed. Mm -hmm the free enterprise system and just right. our ways of doing things that we were lulled to sleep to not notice what was happening, that we were losing our children, we were losing our grandchildren and things were changing all around us, but we were just too busy. But I know those of you that watch Agenda Weekly are the, the many that over the last 10 to 15 years have awakened and gone, oh my goodness, we didn't realize it. And um, and so anyway, this will be another blessing. What's the website again? Builddwellplant.com. Builddwellplant.com. And you can get all the details and sign up there. Yes. And we have a live stream available for those that can't make mm -hmm. it there in person. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. No, that's great. Well, I appreciate you. You've been a very positive influence on my life and my family over the years. And I'm so grateful for that. But um, I look forward to seeing you, if not before, at the conference October 26th through the 28th. Great. Can't wait. Thank you. See you there. I hope you enjoyed that interview. We were able just to cover just a little piece of what will be covered at the conference. If you can make it, I think you would really enjoy it and be inspired and motivated. Our verse for this week is Philippians 4, 6. We had a verse from Philippians 4 last week. But here's a verse that precedes that one. It says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Remember that. Don't, don't be so careful for everything. Oh, I don't know what I should do. With prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And He will direct your path in that. I want to encourage you in that builddwellplant.com builddwellplant.com is where you can go to learn more about the conference. I hope you have a wonderful week and until next week, God bless you. <music>